Hey, you're listening to Guadalajara Rocks, God, the world, and other things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, say it with me, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. This is Season 12, Episode 263, Title, Guardians of the Universe, Phase 1. Subtitle, Zechariah and Gabriel. The birth of Jesus of Nazareth, which we celebrate on Christmas Day every year, is the foremost cataclysmic event in the history of mankind. For in the birth of Jesus, we have the second person of the Holy Trinity of God sent to fallen man, forever to become flesh, a human being like one of us, yet still retaining his divine nature, fully human and fully divine, all for the atonement of man's sin and the redemption of human souls. The Bible tells that with the fall of Adam into sin, all of his ancestors to come fell. Romans 5.12 says that sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. In this way, death spread to all people, because all sinned. The sin of Adam is the ultimate pandemic and infects every human born. Jesus Christ, being born of a virgin, was the only person ever born who did not receive the infection, and he went on to live the perfect life and never, not once, broke any of God's eternal laws. He lived the sinless life. Adam's action of chosen rebellion was so overwhelming that the weight and result of it was so complete that the full impact of it was measured out instantly and total. Total fulfillment of the fall of each human to come was as if it had already happened. Every person in the bloodline of our first father born with damaged genetics that thrusts us into irresistible irresistible rebellion against holy God. Because of the mar in our bloodline, we cannot not sin. In addition to the fall of mankind into sin and separation from God that results at physical death, entrance into an eternal condemnation in a real hell, all of creation, listen to me, the entire universe of God was damaged, marred, rusted because of the first earthbound human. Romans 8 verses 19 through 23 says, For the creation eagerly awaits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the firstfruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. The creation was subjected to futility. The word creation means the sum total of everything in the universe. Futility means state of being without use or value, emptiness, futility, purposelessness, transitoriness, and I believe that last word best describes what the Bible means here when it talks about it was subjected to futility. The creation of God was subjected to futility. It was subjected to transitoriness. We're in a transit state. The entire universe is in a transit state right now, literally as it affects nature corruptibility, subjecting to decay like the body in the grave. The Bible says the whole creation has been groaning. That means everything that has been created is groaning at the same time and suffering together. As bad as Elon Musk wants to help all of us get to Mars, 
as a cowboy in an old Western movie would say, to get the heck out of Dodge to escape this damaged humanity and planet, when we finally arrive at Mars, we will still be dogged by the reach and impact of Adam's fall into sin. So not only was the atonement of man's sin and the salvation of human souls at stake with the birth of Jesus, but also the restoration of the entire universe which was damaged systemically at the moment of the fall of man. My friend, that is a powerful statement. Do you realize, can you see that when Adam fell, the damage that he caused by his sin, it reached to the furthest point of the universe? That means everything within God's creation has been marred by what Adam did. That's how powerful the fall was. The introduction of the solution to the cataclysmic fall of man was met with a cataclysmic response by Almighty God at just the right point in human history. The birth of Jesus split human history in two and rocked the demonic world and sealed the fate of Lucifer and all the fallen angels of God. It set a tilted world back on its axis, which will be fully realized and manifested at the end of the age. So this cosmic shockwave of the birth of Jesus the Messiah was launched by supernatural visitations to three individuals and two groups of people, the visitors and the visited. The dreams and physical manifestations of prophesied events were brought together by Almighty God as guardians of the universe. The story of the first chosen but unassuming guardian of the universe is recorded in the Gospel of Luke. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. For I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them. Then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was making signs to them and remained speechless. 
When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, The Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. Zechariah, sometimes also called Zacharias or Zechariah, was a priest from the tribe of Levi who served the Lord during the reign of Herod in Judea. This denotes the earliest documentary evidence of the origins of Christianity that has come down to us. This note of time locates the events before the death of Herod the Great, as he was called later, appointed king of Judea by the Roman Senate in B.C. 40 at the suggestion of Octavius and Antony. He died in B.C. 4. Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron, and the Bible says they were godly, devout people. When the Bible begins their story, they are both old and childless, although they had prayed for children. Zechariah, being chosen by the casting of lots to be in the once-in-a-lifetime position of the one to administer the burning of incense, which placed him at the end of the holy compartment of the temple, just outside the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the holy compartment, my friend, this was a supernatural event of God. The lot may have been the white stone as mentioned in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. Unfortunately, we associate the casting of lots with gambling and financial gain through the loss of others, or worse yet, witchcraft. But the Bible makes it clear that what happened here was an accepted practice at the time to discern the will of God. As the website GodQuestions.org points out, there is no admonition in the New Testament to carry on such practices in the light of the global pouring out of the Spirit of God upon all men and the completion of the Bible. But the appointment of Zechariah was divinely orchestrated by the hand of God. See the show notes for the link to GodQuestions.org for more info. All of the people were gathered outside the holy place praying. We see that the reason for the assignment to the special position at that moment in time was for Zechariah to triangulate with the appearance of the angel Gabriel, who reminds Zechariah that he stands in the presence of God. Zechariah fully understood the gravity of this situation. He would have been heightened to the sense and presence of the supernatural. Keep in mind, these religious activities were ordained by God in real. These priests weren't just acting the rituals out like a dramatic play. They fully understood the seriousness of the moment. That's why it's shocking that he doubted the prophecy and words of the angel Gabriel. Zechariah's barren wife would conceive and bear a child. They were to name him John, and the child would be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. He would be dedicated to the Lord's service even before birth and would be the prophet who made the way straight for the promised Messiah. We need to pause for a moment and let this sink in. It had been 400 years since Israel had heard anything prophetically from God. 400 years of silence. The last time Israel had heard a new thing from God, a prophetic word, was from the prophet Malachi. A Wikipedia article points out that deafening silence was roughly contiguous with the Second Temple period, which was from 516 B.C. to 70 A.D., and it encompasses the age of the Hellenistic Judaism. My friend, that is why Matthew records in chapter 4, verse 12 and following, he writes, When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, along the road by the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. 
The people who live in darkness have seen a great light. And for those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Because of his lack of faith, Zechariah was struck mute until the time when his son would be born. When Zechariah exited the temple, he stood before the crowd, unable to speak. From his gestures, the people understood that he had seen a vision while in the temple. The prophetic announcement to Zechariah by the angel Gabriel regarding the coming miraculous pregnancy, the appointment of the Holy Spirit of God to the coming baby while it was still in the womb, the appointment of the baby to be the prophet to break the 400 years of silence, all for the preparation of the people to receive the Lord. Divine, providential, shocking, supernatural, all orbing around the coming baby who is born King of Kings and Lord of Lords all to bring salvation to the world and set a tilted universe back on track to fulfill God Almighty's plan for the universe for all eternity. This is just phase one of the Guardians of the Universe. As we see in quick fashion, all that Gabriel prophesied to Zechariah came to pass. Elizabeth became pregnant, just as the angel had said. When she was in her sixth month, the angel Gabriel also appeared to Mary, her relative, and told Mary that she would be the mother of the Messiah, Jesus. You can read that in Luke chapter 1, verses 30 and 31. The story of Mary is phase two of the Guardians of the Universe. We'll say more about this in the next podcast. But Mary went right away to spend time with Elizabeth, where she received further confirmation of the angel's words. At the sound of Mary's voice, the baby John leaped in Elizabeth's womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she said to Mary, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. She goes on to say later, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Then in verse 67 in Luke chapter 1, Zechariah prophesies regarding John, Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. He has dealt mercifully with our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant that we, having been rescued from the hand of our enemies, would serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us, to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the perfect point to close out this podcast and give my usual valediction or complimentary close. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace, but... I can't close with that just yet. Friend, I very seldom say anything past this point, but in light of our present world situation, I note that now, in 2022, we find ourselves in a world that is being plunged back into the darkness that Christ came to dispel. The Christian Post, along with many other media outlets, reports that England and Wales now find themselves as a society where Christians are in the minority. For the first time since 1801, When the United Kingdom took its first census, less than half the population identify as quote-unquote Christian. 
While the share of individuals who say they have no religion has swelled by millions, the latest data from their census shows. The data published just a couple of days ago from this podcast, published by the UK's Office for National Statistics, shows only 46.2% or 27.5 million of the country's more than 67 million people say they're Christian. In 2011, when the last census was done, 59.3% of the population, or 33.3 million people, described themselves as Christian. That is a 19% shift downward in just a decade. That, my friend, is a seismic change. For individuals in the UK who are religious, however, most identify with the Christian faith. Well, that's some encouragement. But a 20% drop in people that believe in Christ. As in the United States, the number of people with no faith in the UK has been growing with the decline of Christianity. Some 22.2 million people, or 37.2% of the population, reported that they had no religion. Ten years earlier, only 14.1 million people, or 25.2% of the population, said they had no religion. The census data also showed that the population of Muslims and Hindus in the UK also grew. Muslims increased their population in the UK from 2.7 million in 2011 to 3.9 million in 2021. Hindus increased from 818,000 to 1 million. Get this, while the question about religion in the census is voluntary, 56 million or 94% of residents opted to answer the question in 2021, which is an increase of the 52.1 million or 92.9% of the population that chose to answer the question in 2011. While honesty in their lostness, with rapid decay and tailspin into paganism, days of increasing darkness are now sweeping over us. 65% of Californians voted in the most radical abortion laws with the right to abort guaranteed up to birth. In LA, 73% of the people voted for the state constitutional amendment. Dark, sad, serious days. Does anyone really doubt the outcome of such godlessness and the rejection of the light? It can only continue to go from bad to worse. The severe judgment in the midst of the doubling down of such darkness is the loss of conscience toward the truth and light. They don't even know that they're walking in darkness. They perceive they're in bright enlightenment, morality, and care for their fellow man, but the outcome of their ways tells different. My friend, it makes this time of year that much more important, if it's possible for it to ever be more important. The outlandish extremes will not continue to go unchecked by our holy God. He is already acting with the rivers drying up, the earth perpetually quaking, incessant wars, famine, and pestilence, murder in the streets so out of control it's shocking. But God is preparing to visit our nation in a cataclysmic way. He will not let these things go unchecked. To do so is to nullify his holy word, which he will not do. So this Christmas, like never before, our mouths should open and say the words, Merry Christmas to everyone we meet and share the good news of Jesus' birth with every single person we can. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.